Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Alex. You almost <laughs> forgot the middle part. I know. What about the middle part? <laughs> Get all the words in there, Rebecca. Uh, hey, everybody. It's us in the studio today, uh, broadcasting live from the top of uh, Burnaby Mountain at Simon Fraser University. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on the unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish mm. peoples the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the Tsleil-Waututh. And our topic of conversation today, I think, is actually going to connect in with that acknowledgement. Because Luca and I have been thinking that we're going to talk about uh, intergenerational impacts. And specifically, what's in our genes? What have we inherited that are gifts? What have we inherited that might be traumas or, you know, ways of looking at the world or interacting with the world that may not always serve us to the best of our abilities. So just to take a quick minute and tie it in with the um, land acknowledgement, um, it is both an absolute strength that I've witnessed in First Nations peoples, the connection to their ancestors, the wisdom that flows down through the generations, which is something that as settlers and as colonizers we have not honored and we have done significant harm to and disrupting that transmission of the bonds through those generations and yet they persist because they are so strong and they are so important and they are so valuable and essential to uh, not only us as a human race but to the land and to our connectivity with the land so I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge the fact that as settlers and colonizers we did disrupt that in a negative way And in a way, what we're going to be talking about today is an acknowledgement, you know, taking time to become aware of how for all of us as individuals, we have this transmission. What does that look like? Um, Are we like, yeah, are we aware of it? Are we engaging with it for its benefits? Are we engaging with it to disrupt it? (laughs) Because perhaps there are some, some things that are coming forward that, as you know, as I mentioned, maybe don't serve us that well. Uh, so here we go. <laughs> well, uh, you were talking uh, a little while ago about how when we're when as girl child children do, mm. um, are in, when we're in the womb, we're al- already forming in our um, in our ovaries the eggs that will become our children. Right, and so so those eggs. It, You've got three, three three generations in there all associating at the same time, right? Exactly, yeah. So yeah. influencing one another and from one another. Mm-hmm. There's a direct lineage there. Um, so I find that just biologically really interesting, but also energetically really interesting mm-hmm. because the vibrations are affecting one another. Um, what I've also learned through um, some of the channeling that I've been doing is that what we pick up energetically from both of our parents, um, not just the parent that's carrying us. So, so in my case, I picked up um, 
emotions, information, genetics from my mother as I was in her womb. But I also picked up stuff from my father, even though I wasn't in his body. But, of course, he his DNA makes up half of you, and yes. that DNA was cooked. I'm using these phrases. Cooked. cooked in, yes. I, so, <laughs> I had a conversation with a, client, and, yeah. with a client this morning where I was talking about the, the, the level of her mom. Uh, where she was, so the, her mother was in her grandmother's womb, and that was when uh, my client's uh, eggs that became her were being formed. Yes. So I was saying that that was her parboiling. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and then the fully baked when she was being... When she was conceived, conceived right? Conceived and being, you know, baked in, yes. in her mother was yes. like the completion yes. of that process. And so you get the parboiling in the grandmother's You get eggs in the oven and not buns in the oven. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the com- the completion stage. And the completion yeah. stage, of course, is then married, uh, physic- a physical marriage, a joining mm-hmm. of the the egg and the sperm. Mm-hmm. So that then in- invites in the, the genes mm-hmm. and the DNA mm-hmm. from the mother and father's side on uh, yeah. that side of that uh, family. Yeah. So, and of course, again, <laughs> created in previous generations' yeah. bodies. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I know the impact. Um, I had a recent conversation with a, with a doctor about uh, what was the situation surrounding my carrying of one of my children and then his uh, early birthdays. Like, what was the family situation? What was my, did I have health problems? Did I have mental health problems? Were there, were there uh, external stressors? And... All of these questions are designed to help have an understanding of how that child is now. Mm-hmm. A- and it is uh, it does feel like a direct link. But those are the influences, right? What yeah. what the child decides, what I as a child decide to do with what has been allotted to me genetically mm-hmm. and allotted to me energetically um is my choice, mm-hmm. right? That's where the nurture comes in mm-hmm. in some ways, but but we're we're always this interesting melding pot, of, um, melting pot and melding pot mm-hmm. of both coming together, mm-hmm. which I find endlessly interesting. And then when I go in and take a look at um, when we were, if if you subscribe to the belief that we choose the parents that we have from amongst our um, soul family, then why did we choose? those parents and that environment um, and those genetics. So if we, if we have that awareness of those genetic lines, then, then there is something great about choosing that particular configuration to be born into. So the, and the, and I, that's where I was thinking about there's gifts that we inherit and there's also traumas that we inherit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, for instance, the plague comes down through the generations, that, that reaction to the plague, because mm. I come from Europe, European families on both sides. So um, my family survived the, all the, the different iterations of the plague mm. in Europe. Um, and so that is in my DNA also. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought right? of that. Because I, I wouldn't be here otherwise. If right. we hadn't survived, I wouldn't be here. Uh-huh. Yeah. So 
So these, all of these things, like, and it'll be, you know, for future generations, it will be, did you survive AIDS? Did you survive, you know, wh- whatever else it is that we've had going around? It could have like, been cholera. It could have been, you know, the, whatever. The big influenza pandemics that yes. happened in yeah. earlier, yeah. Uh, in yeah. the 19th century. Yeah. Or 20th century. We're in 21st century. Yeah, now, right? so we're yeah. in 21st century. <laughs> the, we have to get used to this. Yeah. yeah. So, so these, all of these pieces come come in there and then um you know so what did i what did i choose to put in uh my my stock pot if you like Mm -hmm. that's sitting and bubbling away on the counter while i'm off doing Mm -hmm. other things right it's all it's bubbling away in the background it's not forefront of my mind i've put everything in there and i'm letting it meld and do its and do its thing but then it comes out in how I react to things in my life. So this has all been brought front and center for me, again, because I've just been in Germany where half of my heritage is. Mm-hmm. And and it's the half of my heritage that I don't particularly identify with. I'm, I identify with the English side of my family tree much more than the German side, but, but it's still in there. And I feel more German when I'm not in Germany than I feel when I'm there because when I'm there I feel very North American right but but it's in there it's the 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 sound of the language it's the it's some of the mindset like I have a I'm I'm very well organized I'm um, very precise about how things should be Uh, that's very those and when I'm in Germany I can really recognize those qualities that Mm -hmm. are in me that are inherent in me have always been there. I like order. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I'm, that is, is Germany the only country in the world like that? No, but <laughs> you know, and my mother likes order, and she's English. But it, you know, it's that's it, it, you begin you begin to think about what what is this in me, right? What, you know, where does it come from? Is it still with me, even though I was brought up completely in North America? What what parts of that stay? with me what mm-hmm. parts of and i know that when i was conceived my father was very worried about what this was going whether he was going to be able to handle having a family financially um and there was i think a big part of him that was that saw having a child as a burden um and i don't think he would have said you know this child that's being carried inside my wife is a burden but he was really afraid of it and I realized that part of my money story in my life is about feeling like I'm on some level a burden mm-hmm. um, and that I need to be careful not to be a burden. So therefore, I always have to be extremely self-sufficient so that I don't have to rely on other people. Relying on other people financially is a, is a big scary, has been a big scary thing for me. Not so much now, but it's, you know, the remnants of that are still in right. there. So that was... I think part, partly that energetic um, and psychic influence from my father at that time. My mother wasn't, she was full of, of you know, happy pregnancy hormones at the time. <laughs> she wasn't worried that I was going to be a burden. Right. Um, but that, so, so we pick up different things from both sides, right? And then you could think back to the generation previous, which I don't know how much you might know about your grandmother when she was carrying your mother and what was the situation around them at that time and what did your mom get stewed in then, yeah. right? Because that comes down. It, it beca- I mean, I feel like I have expended some energy thinking about how, uh, you know, what happened when I was in the womb and when I yeah. was soon out, like how that yeah. influenced me. Yeah. Obviously, looking at uh, 
fam- you could say family culture and mm-hmm. and how my family's culture has imprinted itself on me actions yeah. words habits yeah. Yeah. perspectives um and then society's influence as well you know all of these things go into the mix the miasma that is mm-hmm. rebecca including my independent choices mm-hmm. and you know as far as my self awareness goes and i choose etc and some some is innate for my personality but I find it quite interesting to take it another step back. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm realizing... Going back to the grandmother stage. Grandmother stage yes. and realizing that uh, this is this is a stretch. And I think it's a little sad that it's a stretch. And it's a product of our disconnect with... Mm-hmm. We're not multi-generational families closely supporting each other anymore. No. And it hasn't been that way for quite a number of generations. And we've lost... And this is especially, I, I'm going to acknowledge, this is, a, this is a settler way of living. It's not, yeah. a, not a First Nations or Indigenous way of living, even now. No. Where they stay closer and, to their And I'll roots. even acknowledge, even for a lot of immigrant families that have come in, they often still are living quite closely intergenerationally. So this is a uniquely Western, mm-hmm. but colonial Western um, methodology of living and it has disconnected and we may have our connection with our mothers and we can look at that and then try to see those influences on who we are now but to take that added step and to do we have enough awareness of the story of what the world was what was going on in in their specific situations for our grandparents when they were um birthing and ge- or sorry gestating and then birthing yeah our our parents and that holds a lot of keys, I think, that I haven't stopped to consider before. Because as we start reaching that far back, we're hitting great world wars. Yes. We're hitting depression. Mm. The Great Depression, I mean. Yes. We're hitting, you know, massive economic swings and hardships. We're hitting um, eras where uh, the woman's role was far more constricted mm. within society. And what did it look like for dreams and how to pursue them or to give them up? And uh, and, yeah. and what was it like for women around their intelligence? And was that valued at all? Was it given any room to stretch, to manifest? Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, and, and, and these are, I know that for, for sure my English grandmother was constricted by that. Mm-hmm. Um, f- she had four brothers and three sisters. Uh, the brothers definitely got the better shake mm-hmm. at, at things that were, in terms of their autonomy and their um, their the, the opportunities for um, employment and professionalism and and skills development and that that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that time in England. When you got married, everything that was yours became your husband's. Not right. even joint. It wasn't even joint. No. Your husbands owned it. Yeah. So basically, they owned you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so my grandmother brought more into the marriage than my grandfather did. But then it wasn't hers. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with that? And then war. My mother was wrenched away from her mother, and um, sent away for two years mm-hmm. to like. Out of the out of the city, not accessible, and in a in a day and she was too young really to be writing letters, mm-hmm. and there was no phones and like so it was like gone out, 
um, that what does that do? What does that do to the fabric of relationships and of families mm-hmm. when when that kind of thing? So we're talking about mm-hmm. wars. We're talking about trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about um, if you grow up in wartime, just because everybody else is traumatized at the same time doesn't ma- doesn't mean that the whole the whole society doesn't have PTSD. Mm-hmm. Right? It's true. We, we don't really talk about that, but. No. It, it, it's not like we, we don't get PTSD if everybody else is traumatized at the same time. But that's, you know, like it doesn't work it that is, way. There is trauma on a yeah. national level. There yeah. absolutely is. And I think we can... From depression, from war, from from, from terrorist disease, acts. from terrorist acts, from acts of nature, having to be, to, having to flee your, your home country, what, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I think there's also some degree of... Uh, disruption of the fabric of family yeah. when people immigrate and they don't have their families to rely on. Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, you and I. I mean, you you had your act more access to your grandmother in a way because she wasn't she was in the states, so she wasn't so far away. But but I had a grandmother in Germany and a grandmother in England. Well, mm-hmm. I was lucky if I saw them once, maybe twice a year, maybe. Right? Oh, yeah, but, you actually did better than me. Yeah, we yeah. were never close. Mom so, was in England. You know, then you don't, the you're not, you're not seeing them. So mm-hmm. then you don't, you also don't get the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because for many women, it's a, it's an oral tradition. Yeah. Even, sometimes even more than men. But yeah. Um, yeah. So um, what happens then? How do we know if there's trauma that's being passed on? Because I often say when I'm doing readings for people that, um, if we can't find the origin in this lifetime, maybe it isn't in this one. Mm-hmm. So, and I then take it into other lifetimes. But it can also be that it's been it's been passed down in in the genes. So, then then we can take a look at that, which I think is what you were talking about with your with your client. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to send a tweet out of a link to a book that does some diving into this subject. And I'm going to preface this by saying I haven't actually read this book myself, but I was discussing its contents mm-hmm. with someone. And I feel like it, it, it sparked this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. So the book is called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wallen. And it is How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How to End the Cycle. So... There's so that's a good opportunity for us to remind all of you out there listening right now that what we're talking about today is what's in our genes. <laughs> um, and, and that book is a great way to kind of summarize some of what we're talking about today. So do we inherit our gifts and our traumas and or our traumas? Or So we're just, we're just wandering around the topic mm-hmm. today because it, it interests us and we're curious about how it's affecting our lives and perhaps your lives as well. I'm typing out a quick type here with the link. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we tweet out during the show with things that might be of interest to you, book links, um, the, our song links, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, on So our handle on Twitter is Essential Conv, Essence, T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V. Um, so you can come and find us on Twitter along. and follow us along. So I went to a... I feel like this, I'm, I'm going to talk about something I have referenced before on yeah. another time on the show. And that yeah. was a, a workshop I did quite a number of years ago, but it was by someone who was doing research onto the impact of uh, trauma that either occurred to a, a developing infant when they were in the womb or just after, within the first, say, one to three years of mm-hmm. their life. Mm-hmm. And 
that was the first time that I ever heard the phrase epigenetics. It was a number of years now, and I might have been slow to the game. But, <laughs> but this concept of, of um, influencers on the nature of the baby's development that could happen just before conception even, mm. not just what happens in the womb. I mean, we, we've been long time aware that, you know, if you drink alcohol, if you smoke when there's a fetus in the womb, that it, it can impact their development. But the idea that what had happened even before, within the months before conception actually Because that's kind occurred, of like the soil that the seed lands in. It's true. And where it's going to get its nourishment, right? Yeah. And we usually talk about these things in terms of a, a baby's development. So we're meaning, you know, on the the scale of possibilities and how are they thriving mentally, physically, emotionally? Are they kind of keeping to the norms? Are they excelling? Are they um, lagging behind a little bit, etc.? So this is usually how we measure these things. But if it seems quite an easy next step to acknowledge that these epigenetics, these influences both before conception and some, and like what we're discussing now, like way before conception, like we're talking about when mother's conception was occurring, that these influences will, will go beyond just our development, but could influence, I just find it fascinating to, 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 to think a little bit on how they could influence our perception of the world mm -hmm. and our perception and of our, our expectations of right? our of our place in the world yeah. of what we I want to say what we cr what we crave what we mm -hmm. seek to create what we seek to have more of in our life what we seek to have less of how do we uh, assess what we believe we deserve that too uh, how we um, where do we look for validation of ourselves? And I don't, I think there is so much fertile room for, for digging through that. We So much of that, we just kind of think of it as our own stuff, right? That we need to have some, maybe we need to have some therapy or just a really good friend and we, you know, or just some self-awareness and meditation and we explore this because, you know, healthy mental health, <laughs> that's a weird phrase, <laughs> Active mental health, let's call it that, or mental health hygiene, you know, is 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 working on our self awareness, is calling on our our own bull crap. I'm not going to well, swear and, on air. and expanding our whole into our wholeness. Right? Yeah, yeah. So whatever that wholeness m might be yes. for us. And yeah. so when we when we look at those things and we're answering those questions about ourselves, and maybe we're perceiving, oh, okay, well, I'm oriented. Uh, I seem to be seeking a lot of approval from from other people. Oh, well, that's maybe not the way that I know is going to be most healthy for me. Let me work on making some choices and trying something else. And sometimes it can be really, really hard work changing that compass. And I just, I feel like it can help to alleviate some of that hard work when we stop to recognize that we're not just trying to fix something that's ours. Like, yeah. again, back to that, the title of that book, it didn't start with you. Like, to, to take a moment to realize we are, we may be undoing consciously something that was sown multiple generations back. And maybe not consciously. Yes. Possibly. Yeah. I remember doing some work back in the 90s where we were looking um, it was part of my training in psychotherapy, and we were taking a look at what had been the generational influences in our lives. And I remember doing some work on a beach where I took rocks and and pieces of driftwood and marked out the, the women in my family. 
And then I, I, I was noticing that behind those women and around those women were men who were, um, who were victimizing them um, in one way or another, emotionally um, and sometimes in terms of um, resources, money, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, um, and opportunities. And that the, the that they were essentially, um, in many ways, not as strong as the women. Mm-hmm. I was calling them weak men, but I, I mean, I'm not entirely comfortable with this idea of people being weak. Right? Um, maybe they were not fully developed in certain areas, and, and for for any number of different reasons. But essentially, the the outcome was the same. There were all these victimized women in my life. And I decided <clears throat> on the spot there that I, this was not going to be passed on to another generation through me. Mm-hmm. And I and I took I took all these markers and tossed them in the ocean. Mm. But it was a very symbolic act on my part. It was like, okay, this I'm breaking this. This pattern is now done. Um, and and I've been I've been playing that out in my life ever since. So we're we're now talking about a goodly number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm finished yet. Mm-hmm. But, but to stop looking at myself as a victim of anything, mm-hmm. but l- starting to look at, okay, we make choices around, this is our circumstances, now what choices am I going to make around this? Mm-hmm. Uh, which feels like a more empowered place to be. But it comes back to this idea of we can, we can heal it in this generation if we're aware of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes but we can't be aware if we're not curious about it. Yeah, right? and sometimes we may be working on the healing of it, but we may not have the awareness of how deep this runs. Yeah, and that so too. it's like we're just kind of cutting the weed off every time it raises its head instead of getting under yes, the roots. Yes, get at the roots. I feel like it's time for us to play a song. One of the songs mm-hmm. that I I picked for today is by Robbie Robertson and the Red Road Ensemble, and this is the Ancestor song, and it is. Um, very warming for my soul. I hope it will be for everybody listening. So let's make this a moment to maybe reach out to our ancestors and remember that uh, whatever we may be uprooting, they may have uprooted many other things before we came along. And so maybe with some gratitude for that.
You're listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just listened to Robbie Robertson, uh, the ancestor song. And we are talking today about what's in your genes. And besides your booty. Besides your booty, but our booty does come from our ancestors too. <laughs> and do well, you know where do we inherit our gifts, or what kinds of gifts and traumas have we um, inherited or have been passed down? But yeah, and I and I don't always see them as negative things mm-hmm. because if we sit up there in our puffy white cloud and we say, okay, I I need these kinds of challenges in order to use these gifts to overcome them, transform them, um, have have particular experiences in my life, then they are the stuff of which our life is made. I think of it, too, as providing a different lens that can give us so much more patience and compassion yeah. to... Um, for ourselves and others. Ourselves, right? for our parents, for our grandparents, mm-hmm. and acknowledging that we all show up and try to do the best we can with what we've got. And sometimes we're we're trying to react against the where the pendulum was, what we were encountering in our lives. And so then that swings the pendulum the other way. The next generation comes in and is like, oh, that's too far that way. We're swinging it the other way. And so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we're never actually hitting a middle ground. We're, we're all... Or we're just sliding on through. <laughs> I kind I, I want there to be uh, a job title of um, time historian. Yes, <laughs> where somebody who's able to step outside of time can can do a kind of a survey. I want someone to be looking at all the generations of my family to see who who's got similar patterns. And what are those patterns, and in which places are they showing up? I feel so much curiosity about that. I wish I could step outside of time. Sometimes and do that. I get that. When I when I do readings for people, sometimes I get that kind of information, and it's like, it feels like hitting a vein of gold, mm. and you just mine it. I, I wish I could remember it better because it's <laughs> for other people, and I do the garden hose thing, and right. I don't remember what went through me, but yeah. but I do remember that I've done it, and it's so interesting, and the reaction that I get from the people for whom I'm doing the reading is, oh, that's what. Oh, okay, of course, because it, it it starts to make sense out of things. And once we can make a little bit of sense out of them, then we can dive in and start making maybe the same choices, maybe different ones mm-hmm. um, to figure out how, how that's going to be useful to us. Mm-hmm. Um, While we were listening to the song, you, you mentioned um, about protocol that's followed uh, amongst First Nations gatherings when someone is introducing themselves to a group. They in- introduce themselves with their ancestral backgrounds yes. and their, their lineage it's like and their, their connections lineage. Yeah. to the land. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that you had noticed that when you're having conversations with you know, non-First Nations, all of us as you called us interlopers, <laughs> right? Yeah. That uh, the, that you sometimes seek to know, like you're you're curious, where do people come from? What is your what is what's, what's the past your lineage? Your what's your right? lineage? And yep. that there is some there can be some resistance that can come up to that. And, I, and as soon as you said that, I could picture it very clearly. That's sort of there is there is this, or there has been in previous generations. I think we're to the point of it's, we're time to it's time to dismantle this. But there has been in, up until now. A sense of again this this independent this idea that independence and the self-made 
man or woman, is like the pinnacle. And therefore, we stand on our own, at, at separate from whatever our parents were created. And it's and it's this, this point of view of whatever our parents did. Well, it was just laying the groundwork for us, and we just carry on, and we do whatever. But we kind of just take that credit, and we stand on our own. And that the idea of looking behind whoever we are right now, looking into the past, is somehow... Uh, threatening makes us feel vulnerable like we're gonna see where our roots really are like there's a shame there like what is that shame and there's I think the roots of that shame is is classism um you know that the idea that that we are worth more if we have achieved more if we own more this is the capitalistic sort of model and that we don't want to have our current identity somehow made less by acknowledging where we have come from doesn't even as i'm saying this it just feels so wrong it feels so inside out sad yes i mean it it's it's one thing if you describe your ancestors and your lineage just factually it's another if you feel some judgment while you're doing it whether you think it's judgment that may come from the outside or whether you're judging it mm-hmm. or whether there was judgment around it as it was passed to you. Um, I mean, m- my mother came out of the class system in England and um, her her family were working class. They, you know, her, my great-grandfather uh, was what they call a freeman of the city of London. So he had a trade which gave him some some standing, but he was still working class. Mm-hmm. And working class people spoke in a certain way, and that identified them and often precluded them being able to move out of that class or out of that system. So it was very, it was a very rigid system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my family has a, has a history of trying to move out of that, trying not to be defined buy anything so that they can keep their keep their options open and therefore their um, ability to move up economically and that and that's a that's a thing with England and one mm-hmm. of the reasons my mother left England was that class system mm-hmm. um, so that that is a part of my heritage as well and I have to say I take great joy out of going back to England and having an accent that they can't identify and having been <laughs> to a school that they can't identify they can't put me in a pigeonhole well that part of that comes out of my lineage of not wanting to be pigeonholed by something that was out of my control mhm yeah and yet i still feel that perspective is somehow missing a really important piece um a, a va- a, I, in a way, a valuing piece, right? Yeah. Uh, this is all. It again, it's, that it's classism. significant. It, if we could take the blame and shame and and um, abuse out of it, because that a system was a, an abusive system, mm-hmm. and build something else on it. Mm-hmm. It's a. I think it comes back again to reframing it, right? Mm-hmm. How do we, if we know about it, or if we can find out about it. Um, even if it's by what the outcomes were, mm-hmm. right? We may not have known about the original incident, but we know that our families have a reaction to mm-hmm. certain things. Then, then we can start um, taking the the heat out of it. And something that's often missing from that conversation is the location 
of our where we were born, where yeah. our parents were born. Mm -hmm. And again, if I'm thinking of First Nations protocol, that's right in there. Mm -hmm. And there is something very helpful that can be separate from any negative things like around classism mm -hmm. that can be gained by, by knowing where somebody is from mm -hmm. uh, and also what time period because there is an ethos a paradigm a way of living that is the cultural societal influence uh, on a family and the, and the individuals in the family that you can you can think about or you can connect into if we identify where someone is is from whether they have and, and some some these can become assumptions they can become stereotypes and these things don't necessarily those aren't necessarily helpful but that's sometimes when it's held too rigidly right There's, right we can we can be curious yeah we can know something or think we know something and be curious about it and check it out yeah that's different so, than using it as a prescriptive so, for instance, I have a British background as well on half of my side of the family. And acknowledging that um, on my father's side of the family was, was British, going back far, far away. So two generations back, my grandfather was in, was in the war, Second World War, and he was an RAF fighter, um, a pilot. And I was reading some stuff l lately, and I believe I spoke about it on, sh on a previous show at some point, about how uh, because of the war and the, the severe economic depression, and therefore like national depression mm -hmm. that occurred, the pain, the wounds, mm -hmm. both psychological, uh, financial, abuse probably within families, loss and grief like so much, and the infrastructure of towns and, and, and the nation as a whole, there was so much pain that for the years after the war, I mean, the whole phrase, keep calm and carry on, the idea of, of stuffing your emotions down because everybody was in so much pain and nobody could really bear listening to your pain because they were carrying their own, and that this became a national identity through the wars. And it wasn't necessarily there before, but it's continued on. And I can listen to that and I can look at that. And knowing that my family has roots in that gives me a lot of insight into things that are still perhaps being passed on or dynamics even within my family that have roots in that, that can give me more compassion, but also in a way some more courage and, and bravery to disrupt that if it's not serving me well, to know that it's not just... It's not just personality. Yes. Right? Not just temperament. It's not just temperament. It's not just choice. And we don't even need to call it like we, there's a lot of time, you know, toxic masculinity is a thing. Toxic femininity could be a thing too. The, the idea that we're just subscribing to unhealthy attitudes and things. This is even deeper than that. This is different than that. This is like a whole societal way of coping. You know, you referred to a nation having PTSD before, like this, that kind of thing. So it's understandable, compassion for that. Mm -hmm. And is this really what we want to continue to bring forward? Is this one of those things that's in our genes now that we just accept and, and try and internalize and explain away mm -hmm. or make excuses for on the basis of this is just how it is? And I feel like we can be empowered to look at that and see the framework of the society and where we're from, and then knowing the specific family history that we have, and and to to be in a 
an open awareness of it. Again, no judgment. We don't need to judge the the generations that came before us, but just to look and at it and say, what happens if we don't have the stories, right? Mm-hmm. We, the stories get interrupted. Like, I have no stories from the male side of my family mm-hmm. uh, because they were killed mm-hmm. or they were estranged. And my father never talked much. Right. So, so there's the stories never came through the male side of my family. I don't even know what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is weird, in and of itself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I've done I've done some energy work, and sometimes I can see lineage. Like mm-hmm. I can see now, not not in terms of skin color, or but but in terms of. Um, Patterns that are playing out through an entire family. And that is fascinating to me because if we can see what those are, then we can start to get curious about them and see if there's another way of looking Mm -hmm. at things. Mm -hmm. But we can't really do that until we can even entertain the possibility that there is a pattern. Mm -hmm. And I find that really liberating. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. It feels ripe for the second song. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so I've chosen creams born under a bad sign. <laughs> and this was on purpose because I'm we're aiming straight at that 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 feeling, that experience that many of us do have where it's like we were set up for for failure. We were set up for hardship based on the previous generations and whatever it was that was going on in society or within the family or situational what have you that that was going on. And I'd like us to listen to this, and we can groove with it because it's a great song. But then also maybe emerge out the other side to talk about well, where where have we got leverage? Where do we get to to interrupt this? Where does that power and ability come from? So here's Cream, born under a bad sign.
listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca and we just listened to Creams Born Under a Bad Sign and I confess I sang (laughs) (laughs) and I grew a little bit I need to listen to more Cream Um, I just thought of a story that I want to to tell it's kind of a funny way in which we pass things forward and we may not know why we're doing things so there was this uh, woman whose husband was Uh, saw that every time she had a pot roast, she'd cut off one end, she'd cut off a little bit of the other end, and then she'd stick it in the oven to cook. And he and he asked her about this. Like she always did this down through the years. Why why is it you cut off the ends? It seems like they're good meat. Is there anything wrong with them? Why are you cutting off the ends? And she's like, "Mm, it's what you do. It's what my mom always did. It's, it's, It's what you do with a pot roast. Well, mom came to visit one day. They had a conversation with mum. And it may be, I think, that they went back even another level where mum was like, oh, you just cut off the top and, you know, to cut off the ends of the pot roast is just what you do. That's why she does it. It's what I did it. My mum did it too. And they found out eventually that it used to be that the family had a very small roasting pan and it just wouldn't fit the full pot roast. So they'd have to cut off probably one end so that it would fit in the pan. And yet, because that was always what you would see done with a pot roast, that became then the norm. Well, you cut off the end of the pot roast. So you forget why, but you do it, right? Yeah. And this is, yeah, every once in a while, I think it's really important to have a disruptor Mm -hmm. who asks why. Yeah. And and maybe part of the why is was that it was really good originally, but it isn't good anymore, Mm. right? I'm just suddenly, everything that we're talking about today, we're doing off the cuff. We're going where we go when, when we get inspired. Um, I'm just cluing in that I used to have conversations with my students uh, when I was abroad in, in Sri Lanka. And it's, it is a fascinating thing to be in, immersed in, in a culture that is not your own for an, a very ex- extended period of your time. You develop respect. Hopefully you develop respect and, mm-hmm. and curiosity and, and enjoyment and the facets and, and the richness of the culture and what it has to offer. But you can't help as an outsider to have questions. And so I would sometimes pose questions to my students. I, I don't understand why this is done. And we would get them in return because they would see things on, you know, TV, Western kind of shows. And they're like, why do why do people on TV always do this? And so I'd have an answer for whatever was the reason behind that. No examples are coming to mind about my culture. But I know that that whole process, which is really natural and organic between the different cultures present within a classroom, led us to have some important conversations where we would ask the question out of curiosity, 
Why? Usually from the perspective of somebody who had never done it. But then it encourages some self-reflection yeah. about the why. Because when somebody asks me, why do you do this thing for Christmas, maybe? Christmas maybe isn't the same celebration in all the world around. Why do you do this, Rebecca? If there, if it is a celebration at yeah. all, right? And if I take time to answer that, I mean, I could just give the stock answer for whatever I know. You know, it's, well, this is just what we do. Or or maybe it ha- does have meaning that I could attribute to you. But especially if it's something that I just do because I've always done it and because my parents did it, that is a really important question point. And it's, it doesn't equal that you shouldn't do it. Just asking the question has no bearing on whether you should or shouldn't do it. It has no bearing on whether this is healthy or unhealthy. It's a curiosity. But if we have that curiosity about ourselves, if we notice that perhaps there's a thing that we do all the time, and maybe other people don't do that thing, but if we sit with it and say, well, why am I doing this? What is it doing for me? Is it serving me? Is it just a habit? Is it a habit that feels good? Does it breed anything positive? Uh, what happens if I don't do that habit? What would I put in its place? Um, is there something else that I would do? Like th- sort of becoming conscious, becoming aware, illuminating the habits so that instead of being unthinking repetitive actions that may be rather empty, uh, even if we choose to continue them, perhaps they will now be infused with meaning infused with depth, infused with understanding for where it comes from, and pulling that forward with some reverence, with some with some respect. And along the same lines as that, I was thinking about teasing things apart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if we can tease apart what, what we do and why we do it, sometimes the why is really important, but it's not having that desired outcome anymore. Maybe it's just creating stress or division or whatever it is, it may be that why we wanted it in the first place is still really important to us, but maybe there's a better way to do it now. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe we don't need that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I used to have a friend who said to me that I could live on less than the whiff of an oily rag. (laughs) Which I just thought was such a fantastic way of wow. saying it, right? But but it's true. I grew up with a history of frugality mm-hmm. on both sides of my family. Uh, war years, right? Mm-hmm. You you had to make do, mm-hmm. um, and before that, uh, a depression, and before that, another war, and and so there, you know, it's that's well ensconced in in the cultural norms in my family. But at a certain point, that becomes sort of uh, feeling like I have to get by on the on the least I can possibly get by on, mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm being wasteful. I'm taking more than my share. I'm like, and there there's right. a whole bunch of things behind right. that, right? And at some point, I got to sit down and say, "Hey, wait a minute. Is that how I want to self-identify?" Is that how I want to live my life? Mm-hmm. Do I want to keep getting by? And, and it was a survival tool. Mm-hmm. My family survived based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never saw themselves as poor. Right. It was that they were being frugal. Right. Um, but maybe I don't, maybe I need to know that I can survive if I need to based on, because I have all those skills. They've all been passed down to me. But maybe I don't want to live that way anymore Mm -hmm. maybe i need to raise my expectations so that um enough is not 
what I aim for. Right. Um, especially since I want to be able to be a person who who shares. And if I only have enough, it's yeah. hard. It's a hard place to share from. Right. So, so that that might be where I. This is a teasing apart process, right, right? Right. It's like, why did we get into this in the first place? Maybe it was really valuable when it happened, but maybe it isn't so valuable now. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's another way that would serve me better. But it, it's that constant process of coming back to, well, what do I really want, and how do I want to feel. And what do I want to be able to do, share, be, um, whatever those things are? I don't know that I'm ever going to be finished with that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's it's part of how I live my life is this constant process of, hmm, yeah, that, is that still working for me? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, and I, like, I like that process. Um, and, it, and it requires a constant... Um, Reflection and a constant letting go, and then a constant embracing of something new, all of which can be scary. Mm-hmm. But they can also be tremendously rewarding. Mm-hmm. If I can remember that I've done it before and it's been rewarding. Right? So we think about making different choices. Sometimes making different choices means getting uncomfortable mm-hmm. or challenging the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it could be, um, even if it could come out of our genetics, out of our lineage, mm-hmm. right? That all of that is valuable, and it may have outlived its value, or it may be useful in a different way. I just remembered that there's a question that will often, uh, not often, but it sometimes passes my lips. Why do I always do this? Yeah, that sounds familiar, right? I think mm-hmm. all of us mm-hmm. have that come out of our mouths at some time. Isn't that a clue? I just realized. So if we notice our brains thinking that, if we notice those words coming from our lips, what if that becomes an invitation to hold some compassion because maybe this didn't start with you. Maybe you're doing this because there was something in previous generations and it's just been kind of, it's it's been sewn into your genes, been dumped into your yeah, genes, yeah. and yeah. you are still enacting this. because. That, so, so if you were to view it from that space of compassion, that maybe this didn't originate with you, then what could you gently invite yourself into? It's in my suitcase, but I didn't put it there. Do I still want to be lugging it around? Yeah, yeah. Instead of just like, <laughs> I'm a horrible person because I just keep yeah. falling into this behavior. Well, no, yeah. that's your presets. <laughs> yeah. But you get, to, you get to alter that. And it can require hard work, but it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So until next time, Mm, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Oh, ah, 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 ah. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo